0: I always like to tell people if you're gonna start something, master one thing first before you move on to something else. So I would say start with something you're the best at and then go on from there. So I think for me, it was just about like, what I know already and what I like to do, just improving like each facet of it step by step. Um, that's how I went about my services I offer. And I would suggest the same for other people as well.
1: You're listening to Ecomonics, a Debeautify podcast, your resource for one-of-a-kind insights into the world of e-commerce and business in the modern age. This is Joseph. I'll be presenting a wealth of industry knowledge from interviews with successful business people and our own state-of-the-art research. Your time is valuable, so let's go. What I was curious about with today's guest Kayla Lawson, or the varying institutions she's been involved with, such as government and entertainment, bound together via her expertise on branding and public relations. Kayla is a highly motivated expert of her craft, and we get to run a wide swath of questions past her. When we get guests such as her, it's important that we learn what are the commonalities and differences when it comes to doing what we do in different parts of our society. So listen up. Kayla Lawson, it is good to have you here on Ecomonics. How are you doing today? How are you feeling?
0: I'm doing great. Thank you so much for having me. I'm in a great mood today.
1: Awesome. Yeah, you're you're welcome so much. And, uh, you know, I've gone through like some of your Instagram and I know that, you know, positivity and having in a good mood is, is really key. And it's not just about like feeling good. It's also about being in the right state of mind for productivity. So I'm looking forward to, to digging into that. Uh, but before we do that, we've got a very important question to ask. It is, who are you and what do you do?
0: Okay. Um, well I'm Kayla Lawson. I am a 24 year old. Um, I'm currently in Atlanta, Georgia. I'm from Florida. I spent most of my life in Florida And I consider myself to be multi-talented. A lot Mm. of different things interest me. When I was in college, I was originally um, studying to be a physical therapist. I got bored with that. And I took my major to healthcare management, got bored with that. And then I eventually changed over to um, public relations. And everything about public relations to me just sounded so appealing. Um, You know, everything within communications and journalism, it all just spoke to me. So I really just have a a passion for communicating, you know, people's stories and, you know, building businesses from the ground up. So
1: yeah, I'm a, I'm a big fan of that too. I, I like the idea of trying to build people. Um, you know, when, when I was mainly focusing on my freelancing, I really encouraged people to want to get into podcasting because pretty much everybody has a voice or has something to say. And everybody has at least like some other people that would be interested in hearing what they have to say. Mm-hmm. Yeah. A couple of things I'm actually curious about. So um florida to georgia i i mean i kind of understand some things about the states but i've basically been in canada uh, my whole life so um what motivated you to go from florida to georgia
0: um okay so i lived in tallahassee florida for four years and that's where i did um college um i moved to atlanta georgia because i had gotten opportunity to work at the state capitol um i was an assistant for a state senator um in his communications department so that's how i ended up here and i just like fell in love with that ever since
1: okay yeah well that's uh that's a heck of a motivator a uh, mm-hmm. job offer all the way from over there so the other thing too that popped up too is it was a, a, a shift uh, certainly in in career path but it's not the first time uh, that we talked about it the one that keeps standing out to me uh, this was a guest like way back but it's still vivid in my mind uh paul motley where he was studying chemistry and what he learned about chemistry was that he could break things down into their basic elements and then build up the, the answer from there, which was something that came with him when he entered into e-commerce. And so from your side in the, in the, in the physical and then the, uh, I would say, overall healthcare and wellness industry, were there any skills that uh, came with you when you started transitioning into PR and then what I would assume today is an active uh, career in e-commerce as well?
0: um honestly no because um right when i got finished my, my uh prerequisite classes um i kind of shifted over so i didn't really get into the higher level classes to really gain anything mm-hmm. if that makes sense my like physical therapy and healthcare management um yeah so no
1: okay that's fair there's that uh, significant of a shift it's 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 just a totally fair answer. So I get that. Um, You've got a lot of expertise. And like you said, that you're you're multi-talented. So I definitely want to get your take on a lot of these elements to e-commerce. And some of the stuff that we've touched on before, like we've certainly touched on brands before. I've even done a solo episode about branding myself, but I'm not a professional brander. Um, So I would love to hear like your distinct take on what a brand is and what you want to convey to people that you work with.
0: Okay, um, so... To me, a brand is more so of an experience. Um, I get people sometimes who come to me, they'll say, you know what, Kayla, I want to start a brand. I'm Mm -hmm. like, "Okay, awesome. But in their mind, a brand is like a company's logo, right? Or like a color scheme. In reality, that's not what it is. It's really about creating an experience for your consumers and everything else follows afterwards. Um, so that's really what i try to tell people and my clients is you need to create an experience for your consumers to want to come back and shop with you. You know, you want them to be able to say, oh, well, you know, they're different than this business or this company. So I want to shop with them because of X, Y, and Z. So it's really about creating that experience and being able to set yourself apart. So to me, that's a brand. Like I always like to say, because I'm from the South, (laughs) I always say like Publix, you know, um, their brand is known for having great customer service, you know, great quality products. That's why you go to Publix, the price might be a little high, but that's just you know, the company's brand.
1: Yeah. I mean, one thing that I've always uh, tried to make peace with is that whatever amount of money I'm paying for a product, maybe it's not necessarily the cost of the product itself, but it's it's everything that they do to uh, convey the brand. So one instance, as I remember in elementary school, my teacher had this whole rant about how Coca-Cola is making a killing off of us or like a can of soda is like, I don't know, like 99 cents. No, way less than that. But you pay like a dollar for a can of soda. And he's, and I still remember to this day, he's like, they're making a killing off of you. They're making a killing off of you. Uh, but I mean, people, people don't realize how much money is spent onto, onto advertising and how that they, they being on top, they have to continue to pay money to stay on top.
0: Hmm. Yeah, most definitely. Um, It's all about positioning really.
1: Uh, I know you also do, you, I mean, you have a couple of things we're, we're going through these. So I know you also have, um, what's called a brand audit.
0: Yes. <laughs> yeah.
1: So can you go through that with us? Uh, you know, what advice you normally give to brands? I'd love an example if that's not like a conflict of interest or uh, a contractual, um, if you're contractually obligated not to use examples, but I would love to hear one just to help the frame of reference.
0: Yeah, no problem. Um, so I started offering brand audits, um, Through my agency during the pandemic, there's actually a period of time during the pandemic when I I went back home to Jacksonville. And I was spending a lot of time at home watching Netflix. And I said, you know what, I'm going to add another service um, to my list. So I know a lot of people, they get this idea that they always want to rebrand their business, but they don't know why. Mm -hmm. So I came up with the conclusion of conducting brand audits um, because sometimes people... They just get bored (laughs) with their business or they just feel like something's not working, but they're not really looking at um, all aspects of their business to see what's working, what's not working. So I decided I'll conduct a name your price brand audit. So literally, someone will email me or book a consultation and they name their price right for however Mm -hmm. long, however much they want to pay Um, just to add some type of incentive. And I will literally, um, we'll set up a zoom call, we'll share screens (laughs) and we'll just look at every logistic of their business. So we'll look at their website, we'll look at, um, their like package tracking, literally every aspect of their business that can be fixed or tweaks. We'll go through it and see, okay, is this working for you? Why not? Is this working for you? Why not? Um, And yeah, that's pretty much what my brand audits consist of. I try to make it as beneficial as possible because I know with me, I've started my first business, like my junior year of college, actually. I was selling like sunglasses and accessories and whatnot. And at the time I didn't know anyone, you know, I didn't have any peers who were like, starting businesses you know i was like the only one in my friend group so i didn't really have as much you know guidance or people to walk me through you know the structural (laughs) Um, step-by-steps i thought about LLC and i just kind of went about it from there with no real plan so i always said if there was a way i could go back and help people like restructure their brands who kind of did it incorrectly um that's what i wanted to do
1: yeah it's funny you're saying that like you're the only one in your friend group who does that i think that that industriousness it's, just, it's, a, it's a characteristic that doesn't pop up to everybody in a, in a group. I remember how many times I've tried to like even get my friends into business. Uh, we spent this like a six month window uh, trying to set up a 3D printing business. We had five people at the start, and well, four out of the five quit. And I was at this point one of the four. So, yeah. Uh, so, very, very, very sh- short side note for, for those of you looking to get a 3D printer, just spend the extra money and get one pre built. Don't try to put it together yourself. It's a nightmare. So you're also a proficient in what's called um, uh, logo psychology uh, mm-hmm. and that there are certain things that all logos should have. I mean, even as I'm looking at my screen right now, there's a bunch of logos, like the ones that I have saved as the little favicons on the top. So yeah, so what are the things that you recommend logos have? And you know what's, what do you see as a difference between a uh, good logo and an ineffective logo?
0: Okay, so uh, what I've noticed, um, a lot of like people who I went to school with, um, they'll start a business and to them a logo is supposed to have all this like glitter and wording and a lot going on. And in reality, I don't personally I don't think it should because logos are made to be rememberable. Um, and to me if it has too much going on, it's harder to remember because at the end of the day, I feel like the human brain is very simple when it comes to remembering, you know, certain things. So if you think about like, you know, like again, Publix. I love Publix. <laughs> Their logo is literally a P, right? Easy to remember. Nike, literally just a check mark, you know? Apple, it's just the Apple. Um, so I feel like the more simple a logo, the more effective it is and the more unique it is to your brand. Also, it resonates more with people and it's easier for them to remember it.
1: Yeah. So, so because you've brought up uh, Publix uh, a couple of times uh, already, I just wanted to look them up myself because I just wanted to see, I I, I hadn't seen it before, but you said that the logo was just a P and, and so I have like, I have PayPal uh, already saved on, onto my favicon. So I was looking at that and going, well, PayPal is also a P and I've never noticed the difference. Well, like what makes PayPal distinct just because it's a P, but you also see that behind the more darker navy blue, there's a lighter blue behind it because it's it's actually two P's. It's PayPal. So they managed to fit both of those into it while also condensing the logo into one. So for them, realizing that they had the extra asset, which is an extra P, they actually did something with it. Uh, And then I look at Publix here and yeah, it definitely stands out. I, I can't think of any other logos I've seen that are like it.
0: Right. Yeah. It's just really about being unique and, you know, how does the logo kind of help tell your brand story but while making it simple at the same time.
1: Okay. So I wanna I mean I, I still got like I got loads of questions to ask you, believe me. So I, I wanna know more about your your public relations side of it. So let's let's go back to your to your backstory for a second. So you you were working for a, a state senator in Georgia. Now, just so I'm like just remembering it clearly, you were Doing public relations for them, or did that come afterwards?
0: Um. Yes, yeah, so I was doing some communications work for him. Not as much as what I could have been, but yeah, I was doing some work for him. Um, my next job I obtained after that, I was doing more public relations work, more traditional public relations work. So I was sending out press releases um, to company clients. I was also um, doing a lot of event planning, too, which is a big part of public relations, which a Mm -hmm. lot of people don't realize. Yeah, I was doing a lot of event planning, social media planning. Um, I was doing a lot of marketing as well. So like email marketing um, and things like that. So, yeah, I would say public relations, you can get into a lot of different areas. There's like the entertainment area, there's, you know, government and there's corporate me, I've always more so been interested in the entertainment and lifestyle perspective of public relations versus mm-hmm. like corporate or government. I mean, it's, you know, experience. <laughs> but for me, I just do something a little more fast paced, a little more interesting. Um, when I was at the Capitol, um, what persuaded me to go into the political PR field was I actually have an uncle in Congress. So that kind of motivated me a little bit to try the politic route to see if I like it. Um, but it just wasn't necessarily my taste.
1: I, I have to admit, I did draw an association with your last name Lawson and that there's, uh, so is it, is it a uh, state Congress or are they in the, uh, in the big house in Washington?
0: Oh, he's in Washington.
1: In Washington. Oh, wow. Well, wow, Congratulations. That's a, uh, uh, that's a connection you got there.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> yeah. And I think it also goes to show too, that, you know, you are driven by what you are, are are inclined to do and what you want to do because uh, having a pathway into that level of government is you know it, it's an opportunity but uh you're you're still going with uh with your path so i do i do admire that it's always interesting to see you, you learn about a person's character by what they turn down as opposed to what opportunities they can take
0: yeah most definitely and i figured you know i had never really thought about dabbling in it so i said you know what the opportunity here let me just Jump in, get my feet wet and, you know, see where it goes. Yeah.
1: I mean, I'm, I'm 31 right now. And like, I do have my own interest in politics, but I figured public service would be something I'd want to do when I'm 50 because I don't know, I mean, I'll wake up in the morning and I'll think, man, that guy who was five minutes ago was such a tool. And I kind of want to like wait until I'm a, a little later on in life until uh, I have a little bit more, I'm a little more solid in my views. I'm still pretty malleable. And I feel like that's what, I think that's what holds like uh, a lot of people back from getting into it. Because they realize they're changing their minds and they don't have that confidence. But anyways, that's yeah, that's that's a whole political string. So here's what I what I'm curious about for because I've been uh, so I'm on your website and there were two uh, rather distinct um events that you worked on. One of them was for the Adam Sandler movie Uncut Gems. And side note, I had to go watch the trailer for it because I'm like, I I like Adam Sandler. I never I don't remember this movie at all. That is I mean, if I didn't know who Adam Sandler was, I would I would not, I would just be like blown away by it. It's it's hard to like look at Adam Sandler and like think about what he's done in the past. But anyways, that movie is definitely a compelling uh, one to look at. I got to put on my list. then on the other side was um, the uh, Georgia Black Caucus. So there are clearly some things that are different about it. We can run through those. But what I would like to know more specifically is if there was anything in common in the work that you had to do between these two very distinct events.
0: Um, yeah, okay. So I would say for the Georgia legislative black caucus gala, um, it took a lot of advanced planning, um, for sure, as well as it did for some of the movie screenings I've done, such as the uncut gems. Um, most definitely when it comes to first of all, building a guest list, <laughs> um, you know, building an email list, sending out invites, um, arranging entertainment. Um a lot of it has to do with just planning in advance, you know, for the unknown and uncertain. <laughs> um for the Black Caucus gala, um, I would say that one ran a little bit more smoothly only because they've been doing it for so many years. Um, you know, they already uh, have yeah, yeah. things in place, you know, to where things will go smoothly. <laughs> um before the movie screenings like uncut gems um and the film waves. Um, I actually did that at my most recent agency I was at It's called Liquid soul marketing. Um, they're an entertainment marketing firm. Um, so we did a lot of pre movie screenings for like selective people. Um, so it just really came down to being, you know, um, strategic about the people who would select to invite to these private screenings. Cause in reality, they get to see the movie, you know, before a general audience does. Mm-hmm. So, um, Just being strategic about people who are being invited, um, you know, sending out email blasts and whatnot.
1: Right. So for for people who are invited, it's also about what, I guess, what value they're going to bring to the promotion of the movie. So if you have uh, early critics or you have people who, I guess, have more clout and more influence on it and can can spread the word.
0: Yeah, we um, did a lot of influencer marketing as well. So just like local um, talent and celebrities in the Atlanta area, most definitely. And we'll also sometimes do screenings in different cities, so different markets like North Carolina, Chicago, et cetera, so just you know, being able to do that research, um, you know, to know who's who and what city, because I've never been to Chicago. You know, I don't know who's in Chicago who's who. So it's also having that, um, you know, ability to do good market research as well.
1: Yeah, I, I I went to Chicago for a for a high school trip, but when the whole trip is like curated for us, other than the Sears Tower, you know, we uh, we you, we'll give you uh, thirty minutes of free time to walk around a mall. I bought an action figure, and that was. A highlight of my Chicago trip. <laughs> I, I got to ask, cause I really, really get an opportunity to ask this and then we'll, 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 get back to the next question I'll ask you is about PR and how it relates to e-commerce, but what I like, so with the uncut gems in the screening, okay, I know what that is, but what exactly was like the objective of the, uh, of the Georgia black caucus? Was it like an award ceremony or just a chance for the community to get together?
0: Um, okay. So yeah, the Georgia legislative black caucus, um, uh, pretty much it's a group of senators, um, during legislation they have an annual gala and it's also a fundraiser as well um just for different legislative bills and whatnot um and it's really more so of a networking event also um so it's just like, like an annual uh, company christmas party you can say but on a larger scale <laughs> um yeah for the most part
1: okay that's fair All right, so let me get back to uh asking about uh, pub- your public relations work. Now, it's a new subject for us. We haven't had anybody who's um a professional in that field. Uh but we'll we'll keep it specific to e-commerce. So, and bear in mind that like our base audience are a lot of uh, people like myself who are just getting into it, we are using dropshipping as our fulfillment method. Um but over time, most people who get into the field, they branch out, they start Wanted to develop their own brand. They want to sort of start their own agencies. Um, so what have been some uh, uh, PR needs for people uh, in the e-commerce industry?
0: Oh, wow. Okay. So a lot of people, what they want when they're first starting out is publicity. They want mm-hmm. um, you know, some type of recognition from a media outlet or just other people. So sometimes people will come to me and say, you know, Kayla, I want a blog to write about my um, brand and my products, so on and so forth. So that's a big issue. A lot of beginner e-commerce, um, you know, business owners have when it comes to public relations, they just want that visibility, um, especially if they don't have like a big following on social media. They just want to find different ways outside of social media to just, you know, grow their platform.
1: Can you, do you have any examples of any, I guess, uh, sellers or merchants uh, similar to like, say me, for example, I'm just running a uh, a Shopify store, like any any parallels along those lines of or what you've done for them in specific.
0: Yeah, um so I honestly I haven't run into a lot of people who drop ship. Me, I started drop shipping a few years ago. Um I have a old friend of mine, he actually introduced it to me and I started drop shipping clothes. I had an online clothing store. Um but usually people who come to me, they typically don't know what drop shipping is. Um they just know what Shopify is, right? They know they want to sell Something on Shopify. <laughs> um, so I haven't had like any specific drop shipping clients I've had to work with, but as far as just like e-com clients um that sell retail online, really what they ask me for is it'll be like a website. It's like, hey look, you know, can you build me a Shopify website? Or they'll say, you know, can you like um conduct an email letter for me, like a weekly newsletter? Um, and that also goes into communications as well, just being able to reach out to customers. Um you know, beyond once again, Instagram or Facebook, just to convert those sales. Um, and then also, of course, getting media features. So they'll you know, ask, you know, I want um, this specific blog to talk about my brand. A big part of public relations is you can't guarantee press. <laughs> um, you, can't, you know, it's all about the relationships, that, you know the public relations professional has so over time you have to build those relationships in order for an outlet to even consider you know writing about a specific business So that's really my job my job is to build connections with these different outlets um you know so that way i can be granted access you know to um having articles written for my clients
1: mm-hmm. so i want to i want to tell you a, a brief story because i'm wondering if there's been a parallel experience on your end so when I started doing freelance uh, podcast producing, uh, one of my earlier clients was a total basket case, but you know you, you take what you can get at the beginning. And um the guests that she brought on were very good for another show that I was uh, a key producer on, and so I asked them if they would be interested in doing my show. and my my client texts me a couple of days later asking if I was doing that, and I said, "Yeah." and then uh, she says, uh, can you, can you not do that? Uh, they're, they're my guests and I, and I go to the effort of booking them. I don't want you approaching them. I apologized. I said, okay, you know, that's, that's your prerogative. I, I understand that. I don't necessarily think that's a good idea. I think if, if people are willing to network with one another, it's only going to uh, improve the community. So that selectivity, I wasn't like, I don't agree with it, but okay, you know, I accept that. And I'm wondering where you've, if, um, Cause you, I would imagine you also want to build your own network too, right? So where do you find a, a tension between, uh, helping build the client's networks, so uh, building your own network and then the cross-pollination between these two points?
0: Okay. Um, wow. Good question. Thank you. So, <laughs> but lately, you know, since the rise of COVID, um, you know, I haven't had much opportunity to go out and do face-to-face networking, um, And honestly, when I first started out my agency, that's how I was getting a lot of my clientele. Like when I was working at the Capitol, um, there was a lot of networking events I would have to go to. So that's honestly how I got um, a good percentage of my upcoming and startup clientele. Um, But as of, you know, the wake of COVID, a lot of it has been digital. I've been in a lot of um, digital networking Especially via Clubhouse. I don't know
1: if you're familiar with Clubhouse. I oh, uh, I was okay. So, I, the, one of the other guests, um, Aaron Pearson. Uh, he we recorded his episode last week. He's not out yet. Well, he should be out by the time we air this one. But, anyways, he told me that I would love Clubhouse because it's like an audio chat thing. I also, I kid you not, I had a dream last night that I was uh, that I was in Clubhouse. The Only thing is, I couldn't. I can't get on it. Uh, Cause I can only download it from the Apple store and I'm on a Samsung. So I've yet to figure out how to actually get it, but I would love to join Clubhouse.
0: Yeah. I actually was reading something the other day. I think it's only compatible for iPhone users right now, which is sucky. But No, you would love it. It's really like a bunch of mini podcasts and you can like hop in and out and moderate if you want to. I love it. <laughs> um, but yeah, so I've been networking a lot with people on Clubhouse and that's how I've been building my clientele also that way. Um, and as far as my clients goes, um, you know what, no one's ever reached out to me and asked me saying that they need help, uh, networking necessarily. They just see it, um, from one side, they want more clients, but they're not necessarily concerned about building that relationship. But I always try to tell them, you know, you want to build that relationship so that way people, you know, they can trust you as a business owner and want to shop with you because people buy into people. They don't necessarily buy into the products or businesses. So, you know, if someone likes you and your personality, they're more so likely, you know, to buy into what you're selling.
1: Right. So, and, and again, going back to my, my earlier client, like I said, she was a total basket case. So there was, um, there, there I mean, for people wondering why I'm, uh, I, I'm not a fan of her looking at it in retrospect is because, she borrowed $600 from me to help with their move. And she promised she'd pay me back. And well, oh no, and I also lent her my laptop and I had to go uh, sick my lawyer on her so I can get my laptop back. She's just, yeah. Uh, So, so that's why I still, I'm still salty about it to this day. Gave the laptop to a much more deserving client who still has it to this day because she was that deserving. Anyways, I'm going to ask you another one about this is a, a through line. This is something that I've uh, asked pretty much every time I have someone who's like doing an agency where they're working with various clientele. It, and it's, it's a great observation. And it's one of the things I'm really proud of that we kind of discovered on Ecomonics is that when you, ha- let's say you hire, somebody were to hire a public relations person within their own company. Now, there's a lot of issues. One of them is that, you know, I mean, for one, depending on the company, you got to give them dental. So there's that. Um, there is the accumulation of data it's more of like a single line where you're only accumulating data for this one company. There's also the element of you kind of have to like trust that the person is doing right by the business. And we know we don't ever want to throw somebody out of the bus under than my uh, one client who was a disaster. I seem to let that go. Versus when you have an agency, it seems to be like mainly advantageous because you are, you know, you're, you're leveraging your your reputation to stay in business, you need to do the right thing. And also you have the ability to accumulate data from a bunch of sources that you can then use to help all those other sources. So, um, is there anything that you can do to expand on this? Like what data that you've accumulated that, you know, you're getting unique to your agency rather than if you were like PRing specifically for one business as like a tenured employee.
0: Yeah. Um, so I most definitely use my email subscription list faithfully, um, mm-hmm. Whenever people come across me on social media, specifically Instagram, I most definitely um, will go in their bio, see if their email is listed, and I will add that to my subscription list. So I've been real big on email subscription lately. Um, most definitely, and even if I'm like out in public, if I run into someone and we just have you know casual conversation, I'll give them a business card, like. You know, it's to message me about any questions they have, you know, if they own a business or know someone who owns a business, because that really helps a lot. You know, um, word of mouth marketing, I think, has been the best marketing for me personally. That's also how I get a lot of my clientele as well.
1: Yeah, I mean, I've, um, I, I've talked about this uh, recently. And so <laughs> my, my, my most dedicated listeners... Uh, Hey, I'm, I'm sorry about this, guys, but it's it's new to the guests, so you're going to have to live with it. So I noticed a pretty clear distinction between the networking that I do at like a networking event versus the networking that I did just like organically. Um, my experience was in background acting where we would go to these, you know, these actors and these film meetups and everybody's there to network. So there's a pretense to it um, versus when I would be on the job and we'd be sitting at a table waiting to be called to set we have all day to make friends and you really get a, a better sense of like what people are about and what's, what's important to them. And you get to have longer, more in depth conversations. Um, my, my girlfriend of uh, 30 months is somebody that I met because we sat at a table and we had eight hours to, to just talk. Um, so have you noticed that too? Like, have you uh, had more, like, how's you, how have been your returns in networking events versus the returns that you get just organically meeting people and, and shooting the breeze?
0: Um, so what I've noticed at networking events, you know, it's up to the person to actually, you know, follow up with you. So, if we do exchange business cards, what I do is I'll go ahead and like text them or I'll send them an email saying, "Hey, this is Kayla from so and so's event. You no, know, it's great meeting you. You know, let's stay in touch." So sometimes I have to like throw out that extra olive branch. Um, but I will say, for me and my experience so far in business, it I get a quicker return digitally um versus in person unless i you know shoot that follow up message but um i think also it depends on the environment and the person you're speaking to you know some people prefer um like to have something physical or tangible in their hand that reminds them you know i need to reach out to this person and then some people are a little bit more um they prefer things to be done digitally so i think it depends on the individual as well
1: yeah and and i think with uh with digital too is that you don't, I don't think you need to spend as much time on the pleasantries uh, where you can really just kind of like more quickly get to what's important rather than, uh, Hey, how are you? What brings you here? How are you liking it? What, what you got? What's, what's your drink there? You know, in, and some people they're, they're super like genuine and forward. And I, and, and they really excel in those, but for the most part, I think in, in digital by nature of it being an efficient platform, it just things seem to move a little bit more rapidly.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: So you also, again, there's so many things I get to ask you just because, you know, we, when we branch out in economics, we get to talk to people in different places. So there's so many things I get, I'm really glad I can get your take on. And one of them is business cards. Uh, I haven't asked anybody about business cards, I, I at least not to my recollection. Uh, I, I chronically have like m- made business cards throughout the years. Um, the most recent one that I hand out um, still has my Twitter on it, which is, probably the only reason why I haven't deactivated my Twitter at this point. Uh, Cause I go on Twitter and it's, it's a, it's a nightmare. It's peaks my cortisol levels. So um, just run through us real quick. And then I have another PR question for you. So what do you genuinely recommend on like front side and back side of your business card? Okay.
0: So, um, well, there's different like formats that I like kind of tell people they can make their business cards in mine personally, all my information is on the front not everyone always flips the card <laughs> um on well, uh, the front of mine i have my logo my name what i do so public relations practitioner and i also have my phone number email um my website and all my social media handles um but for me all my social media handles are pretty much my first and last name just to make it easier to search So I would suggest that for people, if you like, you know, are in business and you're starting up social media, make all your handles the same across all boards, just to make it easy to find you. Um, But yeah, if you're into the um, two-sided business card, I would most definitely say um, make it look kind of interesting. So like on the front, maybe have your logo, some type of design and your name and on the back, all the other um, information. So like, you know, your phone number, email, websites and other links.
1: Mm-hmm. And uh, how often do you um, do you do you have to refresh your your cards, or have you been able to stick to one for 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 quite a while? Because one thing I noticed, especially with social media, is that the landscape. It I thought it was going to be static, but I don't think that's going to be the case. I, there are a lot of new social media pl- platforms coming out, a lot of new video platforms coming out. Um, so I think for some people, they might have like put their MySpace on their card once upon a time, and then you know, realize, ah, cripes, I can't use the MySpace one anymore. So like how often have you had to refresh yours?
0: Um, I actually just made some new ones maybe about two weeks ago, actually. Yeah. (laughs) And similar to you, the only reason I have my Twitter (laughs) still it's on my business card um you know i need to actually do a lot better about being active on twitter because as a publicist i'm also somewhat a journalist and there's a lot of journalists on twitter and they're always talking (laughs) Mm -hmm. so um i just try to keep myself available on all platforms you know just to gain more visibility um but yeah i really just made new business cards about two weeks ago um there's this networking event i actually went to um at this new restaurant in Atlanta so I took it upon myself to you know refresh my business cards because I haven't made any new ones in about a year or so I like to like change things up a little too much (laughs) um so yeah pretty recently
1: okay right on yeah I mean my my last ones they're still like six or seven years old I think it's because I just I feel like I I I really wanted to hand them all out before I, I make new ones but well I haven't had a chance to hand a card out in like a year so there is that uh, okay. So I got another uh, PR question for you and some people might ask this question and not say that it's tongue in cheek. I, on the other hand, will, uh, this discussion is very tongue in cheek, but I, I just, I can't help myself. Have you ever had to run damage control?
0: Yes, I have.
1: <laughs> oh, oh, do tell please.
0: <laughs> yeah. So, um, at my last agency I was working with, um, I don't know if you're familiar with the Disney Pixar movie Soul that just came out.
1: My girlfriend and I, we just saw that two weeks ago.
0: Yeah, I actually worked on a digital campaign for that movie. <laughs> um, and when we first got, um, you know, the project presented to us, this was pre-COVID. So we specialized in a lot of like, you know, tent pull, you know, face-to-face activation events. Um Being that, you know, COVID happened, we had to move everything to being online and digital. So I kind of had to change, you know, the whole direction of the project, you know. So instead of having all these in-person events, making things online, finding ways to get, you know, people to interact and be aware of, you know, the movie, you know, what it is, where it's streaming. So that was like a whole 360 for me. Um, As far as like crisis management goes um I've done some work actually at a recording studio here in Atlanta um and I've worked with a few artists and of course it's just the typical you know day-to-day celebrities they say what they want to say you know on social media right <laughs> so just trying to formulate statements to kind of um ease the audience if that makes sense just to pacify them um you know it's pretty interesting I say entertainment it changes and it shifts so much it keeps you on your toes so you know damage control and crisis management and pr is like a constant like you really just can't avoid it
1: mhm and I, and i and i suspect that when depending on the status of the celebrity it can be challenging to like even if you know what's the right thing to do because they have their their clout and well you know their their ego um it can be i think it can be hard to kind of like you know damn the consequences and 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 tell them what needs to be told so um in in your in your shoes or even if people in your field um how do you guys like handle really handle the ego and kind of like look past that and almost remember that these people are still human beings right they're still your equals and uh in the eyes of the creator so is there anything you can do or is there anything you can do to kind of like you know stay centered and deal with it
0: um, this may sound kind of bad, but you have to look at the person as a business at that point. No, that so, checks
1: that makes total sense.
0: <laughs> so it's like you know, say, um you know, I had a client who said something out of pocket on Twitter. You have to look at them as if they're like Sony and Sony said something mm-hmm. on Twitter. Like you know how would you handle it in that instance? Um, yes, people have you know feelings and thoughts and opinions, but sometimes it is too radical. You know, it can offend people. At the end of the day, ruin um, their image. So I just kind of have to look at it as a business. I can't be too revol- emotionally invested, if that makes sense. Of course, I care about the client. I care about, you know, their opinions and feelings. But at the end of the day, on the internet, you can't really say what you want to say. There's only, <laughs> there's a fine line between what's saying enough and what's saying too much.
1: Oh, yeah. I mean, I've been on Twitter for seven years. I've seen that line crossed uh, numerous times. Are they still on Twitter to this day? No. No, they're not. Uh, where are they now? Uh, several places, as a matter of fact. Uh, the free market has taken over. Yeah, no, that, that, that's that's a good point. And I guess it's also worth pointing out, too, is that because they're public-facing, one does know what to expect when getting into them. Like, okay, well, I've, I've seen how this person talks and what is their uh, their usual go-to. Like, if I were to suddenly do PR for Howard Stern, i think I would know what I'm getting into.
0: Oh yeah. Most definitely. Yeah.
1: yeah. yeah. So when you were talking about the activation event for Soul, I actually can't say that I've heard of what an activation event is. So, would you mind telling us about that?
0: Yeah. So, um, it's really just like a marketing event. So, it's like an in-person um partnership, maybe. So, maybe we'd do like a partnership event with Walmart. Um, you know, mm-hmm. with some like in-store advertisements, um, or some type of like exhibit at the Walmart. Um, it's really just about placement. So knowing you know, what the movie's audience is. So I don't know if you saw Well, you did see the movie. To Mm -hmm. me, it seemed more of like an adult film (laughs) after Mm -hmm. seeing an animated adult film because I feel like the messaging was a little too deep for Mm -hmm. a child to understand possibly. Um, But, you know, prior to even seeing the movie, you know, I had no idea, you know, what the movie was really about. I only knew what was given to us and what research I could like dig up. So... Initially, you know, I was thinking that the audience was, you know, younger kids and families. So positioning, you know, um, these events in places like a Walmart, which is like a family store or a Target, you know, um, that would just really help, you know, get the right audience in front of the movie. Um, so it's really just like the in-person activity to kind of just promote the event.
1: Mm-hmm. Well, I'll, I'll say because you, you you're asking about like the perspective of it being more of an adult movie. Cause I've been watching Pixar movies since I was a kid. Like, mm-hmm. um, yeah. it's like Toy, the first Toy Story, and then a Bug's Life. Uh, it was at a period of time where I really didn't have much to do, so I rewatched those two movies over and over and over again. And the thing about that I really appreciate about Pixar is that you'll notice all of their movies always star adults, like the characters in Toy Story all adults, Bug's Life all adults. There are kids every now and then like in The Incredibles, but they're not they're they're also not the stars of the show. It's always like from the perspective of adults. So I've always taken it to be that it's It is like the best of both worlds. So when adults are watching it, at least they have a little bit of an easier time, I guess, feeling comfortable rather than watching a bunch of kids run around and have those same problems. Uh, I think it's, I think, think, spoiler for people don't know the story of Soul. Uh, Spoiler alert. But I think for it to be a kid to fall down the mountain, that would have been like way too brutal, even for, uh, even for like early stage Disney. So so, so, so there is that, and I think too with that movie. I don't, I don't think a kid's going to get it. I think you're right, but I think that's not what they're going for. I think what they're going for is to plant these ideas in their minds that will grow in time, and it'll give them a better sense of what to expect in the future. Uh, I, I would say the same thing about what was the other one, um, Inside Out, which was the one about emotions. I think for kids to watch that one, they they can take that idea with them, and it helps them grow. So. Yeah, I think, it's, I, I think that's why I think they're brilliant. They just have that perfect blend of, uh, of material that works for kids and works for adults. They know what they're doing, I think, by this point.
0: Yeah, most
1: definitely. Well, I want to make sure we get some of your own uh, work in e-commerce in this as well. One of the things that I, I, I tend to go to uh, people's Instagrams because I think it's really good to get like bits and pieces of what people are are up to, especially because uh, you update your Instagram uh, pretty regularly. One of the things that we, one of the threads we opened up way at the beginning was, um, we didn't say it specifically, but it was like, or maybe we did, but uh, rebrand syndrome. Um, and like, when is the ideal time to rebrand? So like, you, you were kind of saying like people in, 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 are thinking about how they want to uh, rebrand. So how would you characterize the syndrome at large?
0: Um. So prime example you walk into the new year right new Mm -hmm. year new people think the same thing about their brand sometimes uh, new year new brand and that's not even necessarily the case (laughs) you know sometimes you may just need to like switch up your aesthetic or you may need to change the way you're marketing to people um because i don't know i'm kind of the same way whenever i get into the new year you know i'm like oh i want all these new habits and whatnot blah blah Mm -hmm. blah it's like, do I need new habits or do I just need to be more consistent? Do I just need to keep, you know, doing what I'm doing? So that's why I try to tell people. So I ask, first of all, are you like, you know, making sales? Are you mm-hmm. lacking sales conversions? You know, if so, maybe you need to change, you know, the way your marketing or your ads that you're putting out. You know, it's not always you need a whole new business or you need to, you know, revamp everything. That's mm-hmm. not always um and i have a lot of friends too who just started you know their own like clothing boutiques this year and whatnot they're like oh kayla i need to rebrand Mm -hmm. and i'm like do you though (laughs) or do you just need to you know switch some things up so
1: i i'd love to have like people come in but they have the most like absurd uh 90 95 degree shifts where they're they're selling clothes and all of a sudden you know i really i really want to get into shingles i just something about roofs it just really speaks to me yeah Mm-mm. So in, in the interest of also helping people, you also do five day e-commerce coaching. And, and I've talked to a lot of people who do their coaching. Um, but what I found is that what's less common is using the, the the window of time that you do. So first of all, is it five days consecutively?
0: Yeah, it's five days in a row. Okay. Yep.
1: So it's like a boot camp.
0: Pretty much, yep. And it's for three hours a day. So, And what I really like wanted to focus on with the e-commerce coaching is how to source a good product. Um, <laughs> there's yeah. this YouTuber I used to watch all the time. Um, his name is Alec Hampton, and he goes really in-depth into um, product research for dropshipping. So, like mm. what your products are doing well for the month. And have good sales conversions, so I really like study that. And what I want to teach people in that five day coaching is how to find, um, you know, the perfect product. Because a lot of the times, if you have an awesome product, a high quality product, a product that um, serves a purpose and solves a problem, it will sell itself. Mm-hmm. So, and that eliminates half the stress of you know having all this expensive marketing and whatnot. So. That's really where I wanted to help people figure out is finding that good product, and then you know how you market it from there, and then you know setting up your Shopify or dropshipping store.
1: That's that's certainly a thread that we we explore quite a bit. You know, we're mm-hmm. looking for winners. I think a, um, a product that sells itself. Uh, we don't bring that up to as often so Mm -hmm. let's let's compare it to say a somebody finds a a product on one of those like top 10 dropship it's like 10 winning products for the month of december which full disclosure we do that on our youtube channel too uh the beautify youtube and what we got to do is we got to get it onto facebook and there's like a creative flow to it there are certain ways to make the videos that uh that tick so when you find a product that sells itself there's still like an element of what you got to do to get it onto the market. So what would you recommend for, for advertising a product that you have that kind of confidence in?
0: Um, I most definitely say running Facebook ads, Instagram ads, Google ads, mm-hmm. any kind of ad, <laughs> mm-hmm. um, really. And the thing about ads is that there's a science behind it. Um, me, when I started my first dropshipping store, I was working at my nine to five. And I just mm-hmm. wanted some extra side money. You know, I was really into fashion and clothes. So that's when I started um, Dropshipping clothes. I had like an online boutique, and one day I was on Facebook. My Facebook manager was like, "Oh, would you like to promote or boost this post?" And I was like, "What? What does that mean?" <laughs> so I just, <laughs> kinda, you know, clicked it and looked around, and I like ran an ad. I think I spent like five dollars a day on the ad because I didn't know what I was doing. Yeah. was we cool. So after that, I got my first sale off of a Facebook ad ever. <laughs> um, so then once that worked, I did some more research. I said, okay, well, this is working. And I don't even know much about it. So let me, you know, find out some more information. So um I kind of like to tell people to look into ad testing as well, because sometimes um not all ads are good ads, if that makes sense. There's a specific science behind it. So I most definitely um would say, you know, look into ads, um, also influencer marketing. But when it comes to influencer marketing, don't get hooked up on someone's followers. Like, I would say actually look at their target audience. So, like, who their audience is, Mm -hmm. and does that audience align with your brand's audience? You know? (laughs) Um, I ran into this one instance. I had a friend, she paid an influencer who had like 50,000 followers, but a large majority of her audience were men. And my friend was selling lip gloss. I'm like, okay, so you're paying this influencer to promote this product, but her audience is men. Men aren't interested in lip gloss. So she wasn't yep. getting the sales that she needed. So I would say just pay attention to the influencer's engagement um, and who their audience is. You know, that will help out a lot.
1: Not not to uh, dwell too much on it, but like, uh, so a woman with a bunch of male followers, hmm, I wonder what she's up to. So I'll just, yeah, yeah, <laughs> I'll, I'll leave it at that. Uh, we're, um, we're getting pretty close to, to, to wrap up time. So I want to like, I want to decompress a bit and, um, just, uh, talk about some stuff that's a little bit more, well, you know, I like to talk about some mindset stuff and I, I myself am a, a spiritual person too. So I like to inject a little bit of that into the, uh, into the content whenever I can. Um, but before I do that, for people who are looking to construct a, Um, maybe they're doing an agency where they offer multiple services like what you're doing because you're doing so i'm going to read them through again so it's website design event planning branding a pr social media marketing and graphic design so i mean people come to you for essentially anything front end for someone who is trying to like piece together what they want to offer what i would like to hear about is if there was like an order of like Okay. First you started with graphic design and then you brought on event planning. Um, so how did you piece these together? And then where did you draw the line? Assuming that there is one.
0: Uh, okay. So I always like to tell people if you're going to start something, master one thing first before mm-hmm. you move on to something else. So I would say start with something you're like the best at and then go on from there. Um, for me personally, it was public relations. Um, So just like traditional communications work, like writing press releases, writing, you know, article features. That's like really what I studied and did the most in college. So coming out of college, that's what I was able to specialize in. Um, And then I always had like a I'm kind of artsy, too. I like to paint and draw and all that. So I do have a design aspect to me. So I said, let me um, figure out how to make logos. So one day I downloaded Adobe Illustrator and just kind of learned that and I started making logos for people and then a lot of people started coming to me for logos as well. Then I added on making websites because um in college I've always known how to make websites just not like good enough I think mm-hmm. to be selling my services, but I just practiced some more. Um I did like a test website, I showed it to my friend and they were like, "Oh my god, this is so cool." So, then I started offering website services on top of everything else. So, I think for me it was just about like what I know already and what I like to do, just improving like each facet of it step by step. Mm-hmm. Um that's how I went about my services I offer, and I would suggest the same for other people as well.
1: You kind of answered like another question that I had chambered, um, but I'll I'll say it anyways, just in case it's like m- maybe there's a different uh, route you want to take to answer this one. It was from your uh, Instagram where you're talking about like operating in your gift um, so that you'll never be at the end of the table. So it sounds like, you know, communications and public relations was your gift. Um I mean, I'm kind of like inferring that based off our conversation today, but, uh, what I want to know is like the discovery of it. Like when was, what was that point where you stopped being bored at one thing and you started being really compelled to do something else?
0: Yeah. So, um, back in college, so I was a healthcare management major. That's my second major. (laughs) Um, And I was in like one of my intro classes and I was just researching, you know, what can I really do in healthcare management? Like, is this something that actually interests me? Is this something I'm going to want to do for the rest of my life? And the answer was no. Mm -hmm. Um, And I actually had a few cousins that went to the same college as me. Um, So they were in a similar program that I would be entering. So I was talking to them, you know, just asking them what their experience was like. Who and what their, um, you know, day-to-day work looks like in my field. And it was something that actually sounded intriguing. Um, So I most definitely just kind of figured out, you know, where I need to be putting my voice, where my purpose is necessarily. Um, And I just love entertainment anyways. I've always been into like, oh, fashion and blogs and whatnot. So I figured, how can I be on the other end of that? How can I be someone that's producing this content or someone that's, you know, connecting these influencers and these brands? Like where can I fit into that? Um, Cause at the time I was really big into like YouTube. Oh, I love YouTube. <laughs> um, and, you know, lifestyle vloggers and whatnot. And I'm like, you know, I saw them promoting all these brands. And I'm like, how can I be that middleman, you know, or how can I be that brand that reaches out to people and so on and so forth. So, that's what really interested me, um, in the whole communications aspect, just, you know, being live in the action, being hands-on, being able to kind of create your own rules, you know, because of public relations, there's so much leeway with what you can do versus, you know, other fields. So that's really what interested me.
1: Yeah. I mean, just, uh, just, I guess, to exchange mine, um, the thing that really got me into podcasting was this video game podcast from, I, I don't listen to it anymore. Uh, it was called IGN Game Scoop. And it wasn't even, I mean, I was, I was there because it was a field that I'm, that I'm interested in, uh, being gaming. But I think the thing that really like changed my, my view of it was how funny it was. Uh, I think because they're all, you know, they're all laughing. They all know each other. They have their in jokes and, and, and it made me laugh too. And it also was nice too, cause it wasn't at my expense, right? They're all just like rip, ripping into each other. So I can just enjoy that without having to like, I don't know, go to a comic club, sit in the audience and get trashed, which has happened. It's fine. Mm -hmm. It's no problem. Uh, Because I've also been on stage too and done some trashing myself. So, you know, it's, 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 it's what happens in there, but it was, it just felt good to like, just sit and listen to a conversation and listen to these people enjoy themselves. It really helped me through some, uh, some tough times. So I remember, I remember my moment as well. Just uh, your, your Instagram question kind of like made me think about that again. A couple more. Uh, very close to getting you on Addie. So there's the, the blog, which is how they did it. Um, but I have to ask, I just want to make sure, like, is this your blog? Are you doing the writing for it?
0: Yeah, I okay. am. So, um, really what people do, well, actually I'll reach out to people and then I email them a list of questions and then I just like post the question and answer response. Um, and this is something else I picked up during like, you know, peak COVID when I was mm. home in Jacksonville, um, I just need something else to pass the time. And a lot of the times, you know, people see people who have this certain success or who are doing something that they want to do They um, want to know, you know, where you know, where are you from? How did you like learn this skill? You know, how did you get to do what you do? Like, How did you do it? <laughs> So um, that's when I started, you know, writing on different people and, um, and entertainment in different areas just, you know, to put their stories out there because people love for people to talk about them. People love to talk about themselves as well. <laughs> so I just wanted to people that um, outlet in that opportunity. Um, and also in hindsight, while doing that, that also brought more eyes on me and my business and what I'm doing for other people as well.
1: Maybe not necessarily the stories themselves, but were there any like takeaways from those stories that uh, are are vivid in your mind or something that really changed your perspective?
0: Um, Yeah, we all come. Well, most of us, we tend to somewhat have the same story or we all start from somewhere, right? We all start something from somewhere. So... If you started a business, you might have started it in your bedroom. Similar to me, like back Mm in 2017, I started my first um, e-commerce business in my dorm room. (laughs) Um, You know, someone they may want to be like a musician, they wrote their first song literally in their dorm room too, possibly. So it's like everyone starts out somewhere similar, you know, and sometimes some people rise to success sooner than others. Some people it takes a little longer. So it's just interesting to see the timeline of different people's stories, you know, and how it somewhat compares to you.
1: Yeah. That's a, that's a really good takeaway is the, the origins are, I mean, the, the results can be any number of things, but the origins tend to be a lot more similar. Mm -hmm. I can't say I've thought of that before. Well, all right then. All right. So before I get to the, uh, the wrap up question, um, I got, this is the spiritual one that I, uh, that I briefly foreshadowed. Um, Mm -hmm. Those who listen to this show consistently know that I do believe in a higher power, and and I do love getting into the spiritual side of it but I am I have kind of like a pragmatic approach where for me my big thing is like the dream state um I think for us to connect with our our creators um the ability for dreams to be this like this free form virtual reality where anything can happen um I did have this uh dream where I was sitting opposite of a desk and um a figure that I can only perceive to be god it was like how are you doing I said I'm good he says, mm-hmm. do you want to keep going? And I look behind him and there's this open door and I couldn't see beyond the door. It was just black. And so I took that as like a metaphor for, for choosing between life and death. And I said, yeah, that's good. It's good. I'll keep going. And God, was like, all right, cool. And then that was a dream. Um, paraphrased a bit, uh, but, and it was also very short too. That's because he's busy, I assume. And I'm just wondering, like, because I know you do believe in a higher power as well. Do you have a time in your life similar to what I just said, um, where you felt like really close to your creator?
0: Um, yes i do i pray like every night um i'll say that every night
1: for the last six years
0: Mm -hmm. (laughs) um but in that specific instance you have named um i haven't had like a dream or anything where i've felt that yet Hmm. um i feel like it is coming (laughs) but i haven't (laughs) had um you know, an experience like that yet. And that's something I am seeking. I am kind of afraid, but I am um, kind of looking forward to. But no, I haven't reached a point yet like that. But I feel like that's something very powerful to, you know, feel. So, yeah, that's something I need to experience.
1: Fair enough. I, I think I was about 27, maybe 28 when it happened. And, and to this day, I I I can still vividly recall it. Uh, and so there is a slight chance that I just planted the seed for this so uh, if, if it happens uh, feel free to email me I'm, uh, uh, I, w- I want to know if I was like the catalyst for it
0: Oh, yeah, no, I'll most definitely uh, let you know because that's something I want to experience for sure.
1: Just for the sake of expectations, uh, the creator is very busy, so I don't expect it to last long. But it it only takes a couple of seconds for it to really matter, right? All right. Uh, so Kayla, this has been a blast. Uh, lear- learned a lot, a couple of laughs, uh, blasted off into space a few times. Uh, everything I want in a podcast. So the final question, uh, traditional, you know, ask it to everybody. Uh, If you have any parting words of wisdom, an answer to a question I forgot to ask, uh, this is the time to do it. And then how people can uh, engage with your content and reach out to you. Okay.
0: Um, Word of advice, just start from somewhere. A lot of people want to do certain things, but they're just afraid to start, whether it be because of criticism, lack of resources, lack of support, just do it. So at the end of the day, five years from now, you'll look back to today when you started and you'll be glad that you started what you started. Um, And for people who want to reach out to me, um, my name is Kayla Lawson across all platforms. So Instagram, Twitter, LinkedIn, Facebook, YouTube. Yes, I'm available.
1: All right. Terrific. Uh, Well, listeners, you've got your work cut out for you. So you know what to do uh, from here going forward. Uh, Thanks again to uh, Kayla for your time. And we will check in soon. Take care. Thanks for listening. You might have found this show on many number of platforms. Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, Stitcher, or right here on Debutify. Whatever the case, if you enjoyed this content and want to help us thrive, please take a few moments to leave a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you think is best. We also want to hear from you. So whether you think you'd be a good guest or want to weigh in on anything related to our show, you can email podcast at debutify.com or connect with us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok. Finally, this podcast is created by the passionate team at Debutify. If you're ready to take the plunge into e-commerce or are looking to up your game, head over to debutify.com and see how it can change your life and the lives of many through what you do next.